Hey there, good morning or afternoon or evening, wherever you're at in your day. This is Lara Postma. Welcome to The Great Relate. And I'm grateful that you're here. And I'm also excited to share with you uh, my guest, Lisa Glancy. I don't know if you ever have a place, whether it's a nail salon, a boutique store, an art gallery, I don't know, a spa, whatever it is. If there's just a place that lets you get away and you can lose all sense of time, my place, it's called White Street Market. And Lisa Glancy is the owner of this really cool boutique in Frankfurt, Illinois. And every time I go there, I'll either find a, a gift that perfectly fits someone that I love, or of course I find something for myself. But either way, every time I go in, I get an amazing hug by Lisa. And she has such a kind, joyful presence. But at the same time, she can put you in your place with a smile on her face. She's one of those women that epitomizes, you know, the Maya Angelou quote of, I've learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you make them feel. You leave Lisa's store and her presence and you just feel better. One of the cool things that we talked about that was new to me was the gray rock method. You know, she talks about how to deal with sometimes those narcissistic people in your life. And I had never heard of this. So that was my gold nugget in this conversation. But aside from that, what I admire so much about her is she actually applies the wisdom that she has gained in all the roles that she's played in her life, all the risks that she has taken into doing. She does life in action. And that's what I love about her. So enjoy. You're coming to the call today and the conversation today from what foundation, like where are we at? It feels like your day is moving at about what, 65 miles an hour? Just about, <laughs> yes, <laughs> 72 Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. It's, yeah. Um, it's kind of like this almost every day, just with my um, head having to be in a lot of different places. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to be more, more present and more um, conscious of, what I'm doing every day and trying to be more thoughtful in terms of my interactions with, with people and my family, but yeah, things just happen. It's always like, oh my gosh, I forgot that, you know, I forgot to do that or got to do that one. <laughs> you know, just a list, uh, this never ending list. Yes. Um, but understanding that, you know, my mental health is important too. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, before but of course, I'm going to have you introduce yourself. You know, when I started doing this podcast and I'm still a baby and novice at this, the one thing when I listen to podcasts, I always hear, you know, what they've done, 
you know, the jobs that they've held and what they've accomplished and what they did. And I always felt like throughout, even when I was younger, it was what sport do you play and what sorority are you in? And we're defined by something. So that's why I always love having you introduce yourself and how you want to introduce yourself. So um, go ahead and do that. Sure. I love that you said that Um, because it can feel really inauthentic when you, you I'm Lisa, I'm a banker, you know, whatever my profession (laughs) might be, shopkeeper. Um, but, but I'm Lisa, I've got many facets, um, my background, you could certainly look at my professional background from a resume, um, starting off in the legal marketing field and Mm -hmm. doing sales. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it seems like every three to five years, I've kind of changed gears or switched gears a little bit. So I am you now the owner of White Street Market uh, Boutique in Frankfurt. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, I received my master's degree in communication and taught college courses at Purdue and at Indiana University Northwest. Um, loved doing that. But as colleges became more businesslike, I felt I was spending a lot of time online and it's really difficult to teach communication and to, to really get a sense of who people are and mm-hmm. just those little micro, micro movements that you have to assess when you're grading someone on public communication or interpersonal yeah. communication. Yeah, yeah. And tell me who you are at home. So at home, I'm a mom of three. Well, I'm yeah. a wife. I guess I was a wife first to Barry. And then I'm a mom of three. My oldest is 20, Kira. She just graduated from college. and from Miami of Ohio. Then I have um, Sophie, who's 18, who just graduated from Lincoln Way East, and she's going to University of Arizona in the fall. And then I have Declan, who is 13, and he's he's just awesome. (laughs) Just being, (laughs) going into eighth grade, uh, loves to do, he's doing baseball, then he did track, um, love all of my kids and love them all in different ways. Yeah, no doubt. You know, when I was thinking about having you on, one thing that's always um, enamored me with you is taking those risks and not knowing the outcome and not knowing what it's going to come to. And you just kind of make the leap and you're like, this is something I want to explore. This is something I want to do. And you do it. And that's something that I've always um, uh, respected so much about the choices that you make and the risks that you take. Thank you. Yeah. Um, And one question that I thought would be really cool to revolve our conversation around that I was thinking about is I think with with women, um, there's a difference between us being defined by our roles and us evolving in our roles. And I don't know if we um, are able to do either one at just a specific age or whether it's just a reframe, you know, do we start evolving when we actually start looking at 
becoming more authentically who we are or just getting in touch with, you know, and dropping all the bullshit and trying to fit into a box, you know, is that when we're not defined anymore? Like when does that start and stop and or are we always evolving? So that I just thought that was a question that we could kind of. Sure. I think when, yeah, it's a great question. Um, and I always love when you say in one way or another, you know, stop the bullshit because I do feel so real with you and you do invite people to feel so real with you, which I love. Yeah. Um, I think when I, I guess looking back um, historically at my life, you know, there was a certain trajectory I thought that I would be on. Yeah. Um, I thought that, you know, kind of go in a linear fashion, I'd start off, you know, in a corporation or professional services firm as a coordinator, manager, leader, you know, in a- Yeah, how old were you? Um, well, I was 22 when I started at the law firm. I'd had internships before that yeah. in, um, in professional services marketing. Yeah. But I realized, um, I think one thing that really helped me to evolve, and I'll get back to your question, but oh, yeah. I was working as a marketing director of an intellectual property firm in Chicago. Yeah. And my job was to oversee a lot of the collateral material to help attorneys on presentations, client presentations, that kind of thing. I attended conferences and help them mm -hmm. work on speeches. Mm -hmm. And I um, decided to propose doing you know, different marketing, individual marketing plans for the attorneys in the office. Mm -hmm. And what's different about intellectual property attorneys is that they're both engineers as well as attorneys. Wow. And in their job is fascinating that way. That's they know all these little intricate bits of how machine works or how biotechnology, DNA, double helix, how that all works. But um, what I discovered when I was working with individual attorneys, I would ask them, you know, about their strengths and weaknesses and where they saw opportunity to to improve their client relationships or to even get more clients. Um, I remember posing a question to, to one attorney one time. I said, if um, you tell me about, you know, Joe, Joe Smith, I don't know what the name, can't remember the name, your client that you're trying to, you know, get more business from or to cross market a lot of the services in the firm. Yeah. And he said, well, I know he's like really into his daughter, his daughter like horseback rides a lot. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, well, that's something to work with. Just naturally like assuming that, you know, if you're reading Newsweek or Time or the Wall Street Journal or whatever media you come across and maybe there's an article on horseback riding, you naturally, you would think that you would just send that onto the client, like, hey, just thinking about you, just yeah. one of those pings. And- Like this is something you would naturally do. Yeah, and I okay. kind of assumed that people naturally would do sure. that. Sure, um, Trying to, to get to know people more closely, you know, just based on how conversations naturally evolve and relationships right. naturally evolve. Right. And it was such a foreign concept to this attorney that I was working with, like, well, why would I do that? And it made me start to think that not everyone thinks that way. Absolutely. <laughs> um, which was which I thought, you know, created a lot of opportunity yeah. and probably a lot of missed opportunities, you know, looking back, yeah. it doesn't always have to be about, about the business. It doesn't always have to be about, you know, 
showing up with a brochure yeah. about things. It's more of a human. Absolutely. Human level. Yeah. Well, it's just, I, I think when you say doesn't come naturally is just a natural curiosity. Right. Or a, a natural way to connect. Now, do you think that had to do with, because, you know, women naturally, I think are uh, one to connect and engage in a different way than men. Um, do you think that was, do you think it was a sex difference or? It could have been. I mean, I know Barry and I have talked about this as well. You know, I think oftentimes, and I hear it, you know, whether it be kids sporting events or networking or social events that we go to, men have a tendency, hey, you know, John, what do you do? Yes. As opposed to who are you? Yes. Um, but I think it's not the first question that comes out of women's mouths. You know, it might be, it might be revolved around the family or how do you know the host of the yes. party? How do you, yes. how did you happen to get yeah. here? Um, or maybe even something, you know, just comment on the weather. You know, it sure is hot out here. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I, I find that even when uh, I started to get to know some of the neighbors here, um, and the ladies that I've become friends with, um, you know, the first few months I knew them, I had no idea what they did, had no idea what they did. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you just know them from how you know them. It's just, it's just not something that we asked each other. Right. Yeah. Right. It's not, um, it, like, it doesn't impact our, our social networks to know what someone does because that's yeah. not. Yeah. It's not going to help me get to know you better necessarily, you know, right. but I will, I am fascinated by, you know, that random like flower that you have growing in your yard or that plants. Absolutely. Or, um, I, you know, I love the, love the fact that you're, you're kind of always cheering your kids on or, or trying to gather them or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You're being human. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell me how that position and you seeing an opportunity that was there and that evolved so i i guess it was it really spoke to me about how human relationships work you know i think even for me you know i tried to project a certain image that i was capable that i was um Competent. I confident. I certainly yeah. wasn't going to be vulnerable, you know, in this male dominated field because it no. wasn't. God forbid. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, there are deadlines and you just kind of a checklist of things to do every day. Yeah. And I think it really inspired me to begin thinking about, um, you know, I didn't want to be in that environment anymore. <laughs> I didn't want to teach people how to be human. <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to evolve as a human being by being around others who were also interested in other humans just because they were. Mm -hmm. um, so what kind of led me to, to a magazine, which I, it's business development for a magazine. Um, still in the legal marketing field, but I was able to meet more people and I was able to kind of show a little bit more of myself um, you know, oh, by the way, I've experienced that too. My, my target audience for my, the people I was selling to were the people that I was, you know, I was a marketing director. Yes. So I was 
working um, to, to sell to marketing directors. So I kind of understood their position and it, it helped me relate so much more to them on, on a human level. Like, yeah, don't you hate it when, you know, that happened or, you know, I, I remember that situation that you're dealing with. I've yes. had to do that myself. Yes. Um, and so things that have kind of evolved, you know, I had never done real sales before. And so the magazine paid for me to have a sales coach and to go, go through sales training. Mm -hmm. And the sales coach, you know, while it was, you know, the company was paying for the sales coach, um, the questions he started to ask me were so poignant that it wasn't all about like, how many cold calls are you making a day? Mm-hmm. It was almost like, well, why, why do this? You know, what is it can help me to realize like, why work at all? You know, what is it that you want out of life? You know, and, um, and the type of sales training that I underwent, it was, it wasn't psychological manipulation or anything like that, yeah. but it was super, it was very untraditional in terms of, of sales. Whereas, you know, there was a prospect who said, yeah, I'm really into it. I want to buy today, you know, as the salesperson through this program, you were to kind of like, are you sure, you know, why would you want to do that? So really getting them to buy it, like really, really getting them to buy. Into yeah, the yeah. 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 As opposed to just saying yes, just to get you out of their office. Yeah. Um, that was a the, shift. Yes. Yes. The shift. But I love the whole idea of coaching people. Mm-hmm. And that's what led me to kind of undertake my own coaching education. Um, and what I loved about that is that you were meeting people. It was different than therapy because you're meeting people, you know, where they were. Uh, I wasn't trying to explore their past childhood or mm-hmm. situations that led them up to this point. It was more, much more goal focused and the goal could have been you know, I just want to be a, a better friend. Yes. Um, I worked mostly with executives mm-hmm. and, you know, when they couldn't understand, like, why can't I just pick up the phone and call people? What's holding me back? You know, we would talk about that. And there's usually triggers that come with that. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were rejected, you know, one time or another, and they mm-hmm. wanted to, um, it was just really difficult to put themselves in that vulnerable position again. Yes. And one thing I loved about it is to tell them it was okay to be vulnerable. I mean, that's, you know, it's, if you, <laughs> you show up to a, if I'm working with, when I was working with executives, if they showed up and, um, I don't know, on the way there, they spilled coffee all over their shirt, mm-hmm. you know, rather than like try to hide that coffee, you know, which just looks awkward anyway, because you're never going to really hide it. <laughs> just to, you know, just own it. Yeah. Like, it makes you much more lovable, you know, when you can, yeah. can be that way. I mean, yeah. um, at the same time, it was easy for me to, to teach this to others or to invite others to be more vulnerable. Yeah. But I certainly um, am still learning those lessons. Well, I mean, no doubt. I mean, just like, you know, prior to us having the other appointment last week, or it was about a week and a half ago, and my day turning into a complete shit show and me having a breakdown. And um, 
just to be able to call and just say, I just, I can't do it. I can't do that. Like I cannot show up as myself right now. And, but what is it as you were guiding people to be vulnerable? Because I think it's a new concept sometimes, especially in executive coaching, right? Mm -hmm. um, how were you meeting them in the same, like, did you find it was easy to teach them how to do that and guide them how to do that because you were doing the same? Because sometimes I feel like I'll be in a position where I'll have clients and I can see right away if they're dealing with an emotion that they need to let come to the surface because I don't, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, or is it because you were at a point where you're just like, no, this is what I'm doing too. This is what I'm, even though I fight it, but this is what I'm attempting to do too. Like, where were you at that point? Gosh, um, I was probably, you know, still, I mean, still a struggle because you want to yeah. appear like you have it together. Um, I, and when I am yeah. challenged in those situations, I always think back to a friend of mine, Kristen, and we've become really good friends now, but our daughters, our 20 year old daughters were in kindergarten together. Yeah. And she, at the time you was pregnant, you know, she was tell you herself, you know, she was pregnant. She was going through a lot in her marriage. You know, she felt yeah. like a hot mess. And yet I showed up at the end of the day in a suit, you know, I was in a suit, high heels, mm -hmm. completely looked like I had it together. Mm -hmm. Probably, you know, had um, the right jewelry to match the mm -hmm. suit. And she said, you know, it was, I just had you pegged for someone like, I, you can't deal with me. I can't deal with you because you're going to be judgy and you're going to be, um, you know, you won't understand what it's like not to have it together. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and I think it back to that. And she told me this several years later after oh. that initial meeting, um, the cut that wasn't me, you know, like it was such, mm -hmm. and, you know, I threw on lipstick mm -hmm. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I've done so many other times. Yeah. And if that's preventing me from thinking from developing relationships or close relationships because mm -hmm. people think I can't um, empathize or even sympathize what they're going through mm -hmm. you know I have to really look at that and mm -hmm. and how I present myself mm -hmm. so I've how do you present differently because maybe you want to wear lipstick maybe mm -hmm. you know maybe you want to look fantastic um how do you combine the two I think it's a lot of, um, but I know you're a hugger. I'm a hugger too. <laughs> yeah. I, I opened the store. I was, or I bought the store. I was so, I mean, it was daunting. I'd never done anything like oh this. Oh my before. God. I'd never even. How did that opportunity even happen? Like, tell me about what, which is why I just feel like you just go for what's next, not knowing what that might be. And you're just like, wow, there's this store. This would be so cool. I'm ready. Or like, where were you at? What was your thought um, process on that? It was a, well, the timing was definitely not right, but <laughs> it was one of those things where I'd go to the store and I bought the Annie Sloan paint or I'd buy gifts from time to time. 
And the store always seemed to me to do remarkably well. Um, But the previous owner who I, who I adore wasn't, um, and I got to know afterwards, wasn't the most open. She was certainly, um, and everyone has a backstory, you know, so there's that, but, um, her personality was such, I think was much more guarded. Yeah. She was much more into, yeah, Yeah. Uh much more into what she could do as as opposed to what she is or who she was. And so I think I, I made that decision. Like, well, I guess I have to rebrand it because I know a lot of people had stopped coming based on their, the reception they would receive. And, and that's all I could really fall back on is my communication Mm-hmm. and curiosity for people about what who they really were because I mean at the end of the day you know what I sell is just stuff you know if oh my, god I but is it but it but it's, minimize what you create at and then yeah I'm not but I want but the thing uh-huh. that anyway they do I spend time like um buying inspirational things or things that make people feel good um good sense. I like, you know, to be more of a sensual experience when people come in, but I, um, so at the risk of not minimizing that, not to minimize what I, I have or what I've done, what I know that I can do well is, is be approachable, you yeah. know, and, and there are people in there who maybe have never come in. They have thoughts about what stuff is or what it's going to cost, you know, or, um, they can't, they can never decorate right. Or, you know, they're always kind of self-deprecating. Yes. You know, for me, I will share my experiences. Like it was the same way. And the thing you have to do, it's actually kind of, it's evolved. My experience at the store has evolved into a, um, how I've wanted to be. Cause I say, you just mm-hmm. have to do it. And it's easy for me to do it at the store. Cause I'm, I have access to, you know, lots of different vases and flowers. And so I can try a different com- billion different combinations. Yeah. Um, but but how did you get to the point, Lisa, to um, make that leap, you know, from being uh, a coach or executive or, or what were you doing at that point prior to purchasing the store? Well, I had just finished um, teaching. I guess, you know, yeah. I could have gone back for another semester of, of teaching. When I heard about the store being for sale, I mean, it was intriguing. Um, Barry had talked about buying a company just before I, this came to be, and we were on vacation and we were talking about, you know, how we would run this company that Barry actually owns now. And like, I could help him with the marketing. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So when I heard, um, so it just happened to like fall into my lap. A friend called me and said, call me back as soon as you can. Um, she said, I'm, I heard from the great, through the grapevine, you wanted to buy a company, which wasn't the right. Wasn't the case. It was Barry. It wasn't the right story. You know, yeah, Barry yeah. wanted to buy a company. <laughs> yes. So it was a, uh, I didn't necessarily want to, but then when it came to be, I just, I guess I had to make a quick decision. I thought, well, and can do it like in spite of how, what her personality is, you know, why not? Yeah. Why not? And it was, and I think I've grown 
in a, a way where I like to, I mean, I like to be surrounded by pretty things. You know, I like, mm. I appreciate aesthetics. Say, um, it sounds really bougie to say that. No, it doesn't. You know what? It, <laughs> but, I, but I find it, what I think you're so gifted at and why I love coming to the store. And if, if you've never been to White Street Market Boutique in Frankfurt, it's one of my self-care practices. One, not just because of the environment and how I feel when I walk in and how I can take my time and, um, and I'm just surrounded by a very homey, warm, comforting environment, but it is of course also you, um, but it's amazing what you've done with the store. It feels completely different. So if, if, if I need to get any gift, I don't give a rip what it's for, a hostess gift, a birthday gift, a baby gift, whatever it is, a gift for myself, that's where I go. But I think going back to, you know, the aesthetics, I, you have like layers of aesthetics. And I think that that's what makes it so unique. Yeah. Yeah. And I love being able to, and I've shared this with you, like, I get tickled, you know, when I get a book in and it's about um, mm -hmm. sleep, for example, and mm -hmm. then I happen to have sheep, which I also love, and I can put them together. They didn't come as a package, but yeah. it's just one of those things. I'm like, oh, how fun. Like the sheep yeah. should go by the sleep, you know, counting sheep <laughs> or, um, or anxiety, you know, an anxiety book next mm -hmm. to like, um, you a like a, a vase that might be like really busy <laughs> or comfortable. You know, just so busy. Yeah. yeah. So it's just, you know, I kind of I love doing that, but I I did learn quickly that I have to buy things that I like. You know, so every everything I buy in the store, every book I mm -hmm. I buy, mm -hmm. I buy it because I would want to read that. I'd want to get that. Mm -hmm. Um you know, I don't, the world, I just didn't, I don't like a lot of tchotchkes. Yeah. You know, I like, um, I have a lot of trays and I like the idea of trays because it kind of gives a home to like lots of random things that don't necessarily go together. Yeah. Um, I love. Tell me, how, how has the store and having the store and going back to this question around what defines you as a woman and how you evolve as a woman. Like, where would you say, where did that shift happen? And when I say like define, I, I feel like when we're too young to understand or the self-awareness is still growing mm -hmm. or when we actually become intentional around becoming aware, I feel like there is a shift and you're making a choice of, I want to start evolving and using my roles to evolve as a person. When did that happen for you? Um, do you, I think there's been lots of many times that's happened yeah. um, for having had the store for three years. Um, how I've become a woman is to, you know, is to kind of build a community of support. Um, the people I hire mm -hmm. kind of have to really 
really embody and embrace like how I am to customers. Mm -hmm. You know, there are, um, there are certain things like that you, you might see or hear, and I'll get back to that. I'm still thinking about the whole <laughs> evolution, but um, like so many people are just judged immediately, you know, based mm -hmm. on how they look or, you know, where, um, you know, if they happen to knock something over, I don't know. We just have like preconceived notions about people. Yes. You know? Absolutely. I would, um, if I had been, if I'd be, if I was working for someone else and I was responsible for something and if I heard like a clang and something fell and something broke, you know, I think that would give me a lot of anxiety because it's, but it's on behalf of somebody. Yes. And as I've shared with you, and that's a, <laughs> another conversation, another road, you know, you take, um, I took so much responsibility for other people's feelings or how they would feel. Yeah. Um, but when somebody walks to the store and happens, you know, I hear a clang, like I don't even look in that direction because mm -hmm. I wouldn't want them to, to feel a sense of shame mm -hmm. or there's, mm -hmm. I don't want people to feel a sense of shame. You know, if they pick up, a, pick up something and they can't, you know, it's a lot for them. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want them to feel like they're less than. Mm -hmm. um, and I think how I've evolved is that I've become much more accepting of myself. Um, like people make mistakes every day or people knock something over every day, you know, and that's okay. So it's, mm -hmm. I'm loving myself a little bit more because the world isn't perfect. No one's perfect. There's no ideal. And just like with this store, there's really just, there's no one ideal for how someone's going to decorate their home. Well, it uh, sounds like too, like you give yourself permission to do that too. You've, yeah. you've started coming to give yourself permission to do that. Yes. And it's, but it's a journey. I mean, I won't, um, yes. on yeah. Monday night, I mean, I can tell you, I, I go back to the store. Like it's what was one of those days where I couldn't do one thing right. And like the world just kept closing in and closing in. And, you know, I had to be accountable to people and I just couldn't mm -hmm. find the time to get back to them or mm -hmm. couldn't uh, source what they needed. And, mm -hmm. you know, and I sat on the floor and cried, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and it's, and uh, I did, and it was probably yes. like, until 10 o'clock at night, I was on the floor of the, the store crying and probably had like the um, like a playlist, like breakup songs or something. Eighties <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know? ballads. Exa exactly. <laughs> and yeah. I, um, and that lasted probably a good 24 hours where I felt yep. imperfect. Yeah. Um, feel much better today. Yeah. But, um, but it's, it's hard. I mean, I think it's still a journey. I think when I go through, or I feel when I go through those those moments. And I do have those moments several times a year mm -hmm. um, that I have to like wash it all away, you know, and that's the only way to get it out. Yeah. And then literally, right. Yeah. Right. Um, well, and I, I feel too, when you talk about that, I feel like, um, again, you know, when it comes to defining like who we are based on our roles, like this role that you need to be responsible 
and to meet expectation and to not let anybody down. Um, I mean, I can completely relate to that. And this facade that I put on, like if I get a compliment from someone or if, uh, whether it's about what I do or how I look or the, I'm just starting to believe them versus thinking, wow, I got them fooled. Like they have no idea what a shit show I am inside. Right. Uh, so it's this piece of evolving is for me, just kind of accepting where I'm at and where I'm at is okay in my roles, you know, being a wife and being a mom and being a business owner and working with my clients. Um, God, there's such a facade that we put on for such a long time, mm -hmm. feeling like we have to, you know, be in this box and meet these expectations and um, be so responsible and competent, you know, right. in all of the roles, in all of the roles. And it's fucking exhausting. <laughs> and so, you know, it's, you wonder, you know, why you're, you know, you're sitting in the middle of a store and you're having this, you know, meltdown, right? Just to release, because it's not just about getting the paint. <laughs> it's not about mm -hmm. just not being able to fill the paint order, right. you know? Um, there's so many layers to it. And um, it finally just kind of reaches the surface and needs a release. So, um, and I'm finding that a little bit now, like I just uh, I, uh, being in a melancholy for a certain amount of time and not fighting that anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm so tired of fighting what comes to the surface for me, thinking that right. I need to be feeling a certain way or I'm not grateful enough or I've got the plethora of, you know, things I tell myself. Not right? enough. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I know. I, at one time, um, I remember driving to, to teach and I was still in my master's program. I remember almost perfecting the art of crying without ruining my eye makeup. How did you do that? Oh, please share. It's, like, it's like, a, it's almost like diaphragm, you know, singing. I tried to, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> but yeah, nothing was running at the end of the day. So that was positive. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, yeah, I think I still, I still, you know, I still struggle with, you know, I'm, am I enough? But there's this question, I know sometimes I think, well, what's normal? You know, what is, mm -hmm. it's not even like the ideal. It's not like I'm trying to try to prove myself as being somewhat close to the ideal of how someone should be. Like normal is so relative. It is, but we, we do have a thought in our mind of yeah. what that is. And even it's different for everybody, right? But we actually do have this thought of, or idea of what is, is normal. And are we meeting that? You're right. Um, are we fitting into a, a norm or beyond the norm? Maybe we don't want to be normal. But so even we still have this original thought of what's normal though. Right. So if we don't want to be normal, we go beyond that, right? But it's, um, I think there is a thought of what, of what that is. We each have our thought around what that is. Yeah, there was one, um, <laughs> when I was younger, my 
great grandma, I'd come home from kindergarten or grade school and she would be watching, I think it was CBS soap mm-hmm. operas. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. And it may have been, I think as the world turns and mm-hmm. there was this woman named Lucinda and she had um, these gold, big gold earrings, but they were clip-ons. Yes. So when the phone rang, she could take them off and then, you know, pick up the phone Yeah. and everything. And then you're know, probably looking at her nails at the same time. She was so cool and collected and her heels made that uh, clicky, clicky, sound. Clicky, clicky, but so like regulated sound on the floor, the marble floor of wherever she was walking. And that's how I, I thought someone would be, but she didn't show any emotion. You know, she wasn't, she didn't have time for that. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's how, how I should be. So when I, I was in my first job, I had a 90 day fiance, Barry, who was coming over, you know, came over from Ireland um, and then got pregnant five days into my marriage and oh, wow. had to walk that to the, oh, yeah. Holy yeah. Cow. and um, I wasn't wearing high heel shoes. I was wearing like target stretchy shoes because my feet were so swollen. Um, you know, I realized like, I'm not Lucinda. <laughs> I can, like, I don't know if I'm ever going to be <laughs> and clip on earrings kind of hurt. Anyway, I tried to wear them. So like, it's fine that I didn't have them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, there is. I mean, there's that ideal of, you know, I know when I'm my best self, you know, yeah. I know when. How do you know? Um, I know because it. Like, is it a feeling? Is it? Because I, I feel really smart or I come up with like an idea in a situation. Mm-hmm. of I come up with this idea and I can like source you random I don't know um I'd have to give you an example of this but source something random that I've heard in the past and um nobody else has ever heard it mm-hmm. and it just all flows and it's all smooth and you can just see people kind of like nodding like or mm-hmm. taking notes when I'm talking mm-hmm. like I think that's a a good feeling um people who are who will ask me things that, um, like I'm so, I don't know, they'll say, you, you've got it all together. I don't know how you do it all. And mm-hmm. it's, sometimes that is a good thing because I'm like, fool them again, you know, thank God. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> the right, yeah, the right yeah. smile on. Absolutely. Um, but I feel like it's when I'm not trying to, appease someone else when it's just when it's me when I can like I'm pretty in a you know I think a lot I read a lot I'm just Mm -hmm. I'm enamored by people who can like bring thoughts to different thoughts together Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so when I can do that but do it because I'm doing it for me and because I want people to understand me or understand the point I'm trying to make Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to saying something others would want to hear. Yes. Um, that's a really good feeling. Yeah. And for so much of my life, you know, I think I've, I've taken on others' expectations and others' shame and others' um, sadness and tried to make it better for them. Yes. At the expense of making it better for me. Yes. So it's absolutely. You know, like, 
and I do, I take, um, and it's just a heaviness, you know, you, you can't fix some things just aren't yours to fix, you know, even you though continue to fight that the urge to do that. Do you, or do you find that does it, are you quick to notice when you do that and shift and change or, you know, lanes or what? Um, it's getting a little bit better. I mean, one example is, you know, I was with a family member who, um, was upset about we were at a restaurant and there, the food wasn't coming out quickly. The drinks weren't coming out there. Um, <laughs> was trying to tell that the person I was with wanted nachos, but really wanted tortilla chips. And so she couldn't understand why it was taking so long to make not make nachos when she was thinking it was just tortilla chips in a bowl. I know it's, it was kind of weird, <laughs> but like got enraged that it was taking so long. Uh-huh. And because I was with that person, I, was like, I have to like, I have to take this, this anger and like, so nobody's looking at me. I don't want to be associated with that. Yeah. And I didn't care that like yeah. it was taking forever. It was no big deal. Yeah. So I, um, so I left. So I just left the situation. I think went to the bathroom, mm-hmm. this restaurant I was in mm-hmm. and that was really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, just so I, otherwise I would have sat there and I would have been really anxious trying mm-hmm. to, I've got to stop this. And I, yeah. it doesn't make sense. I can't stop someone else's feeling because that's how they're going to be. I mean, if that's how they want to behave. That's fine. I don't, I wouldn't behave that way. Right. So why should I stop behaving right. that way? It just didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard something recently. I think I told you about the, um, the gray rock technique, which I am yes. loving. <laughs> Oh, tell me. So it's um, this gray rock technique, I think, was is often mentioned with in therapy when um, dealing with like people who are narcissistic. Okay. Even like um, no, narcissistic parents or narcissistic family members. Mm-hmm. And a normal conversation, you know, you know in an unhealthy way would be this narcissistic person saying, I need this, I need this, I need this. And you're trying, the person who's on the receiving end is trying like hell to appease them. Yeah, okay, I'll do this. Oh yeah, I'm so sorry. And it's probably my fault that, you know, the it's raining today or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. And so it just feeds into that narcissistic person's behavior. You know, right. they, you know they act this Almost way. like enables it. Enables it, yeah. right? So the gray rock technique is think of gray rocks, how many gray rocks you see when you drive down the street, like a billion, but nobody pays attention to them because there's so many gray right. rocks. And so the idea is that when you show up um, to someone with someone who's narcissistic or is um, someone who feel like a lot of responsibility to take their shame or their emotion away or, you know, to help them, um, you you answer, they'll ask you, how are you? I'm fine. Okay. What's going on? Nothing much. You know, so it's, you're acting like a gray rock. You're acting like it's, your answer doesn't have to be um, enthusiastic. It doesn't have to be happy, sad, anything. It's just very plain, you know, right in the middle. Yeah. And when, when I think when you say that too, it's even on the flip 
that I think about when you talk about that, I think about even how I need to react. Uh, it's not just receiving as a gray rock, but it's looking at that person as just whatever, you know, if they're um, being conceited or they're criticizing or, uh, you know, they're being an asshole, whatever, mm -hmm. um, you just respond as the gray rock. Right. right. It's just like, eh, it's not a big deal. Like what they're saying, like if it, just receiving it with nothing, with no response. Right. And I think it has like other applications as well. I mean, if I've, um, like many women, I've struggled with, you know, pleasing, trying to please and trying to be the, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. good girl who doesn't cause too much trouble, who doesn't make too much noise, you know, mm -hmm. um, I think even in childhood, it was, you know, it was that children should be seen and not heard type yes. of thing. Yes. Um, and so that kind of sticks with you, you know, and, and how that's translated for me is sure. I'll do that for you. You know, when people are asking a question, yep, no problem. Yep. You want me to be on this committee? Yeah, sure. No problem. Cause I can always do more. Right. <laughs> and what ends up happening is that I hate it. Yeah. Like, why in the hell did I say yes again? Mm -hmm. So I've, since hearing about this gray rock technique, just dealing with people, you know, that are narcissistic, I've also, um, I've tried to think about that when people are, are asking like someone to, Hey, you know, would you want to volunteer for this committee? You know, it's really fun. You'll get to know a lot of people no matter, you know, just because their voice is enthusiastic and they find it fun. Is it, and mean, you I'm would gonna, be so good at it. You would I mean, be so exactly. Good. That's your talent. Right? I mean, you're so great at it. Right. <laughs> um, to look at them as a gray rock or to and react as a gray rock, like don't, it's okay not to stand out. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's okay. Um, yeah. You're not to, to always have to share your life or your time with others you know, just be yeah it sounds like too it just being able to there's something around boundaries uh just setting those internal boundaries and mm -hmm. um honoring what just is important to you um yeah. and kind of hoarding that good energy for yourself you know i'm going to hoard it for myself because we're so used to giving it away mm -hmm. in loads. And um, I find that's why it's just, we're so empty by the end of the day because of all the roles that we play and we just, we give our energy away. Right. But it's, um, it's interesting what the feeling is because when you start doing it, you know, when you're not giving that energy away um, and what it opens up, what it opens up. It's huge. And, and so I would have thought of that, you know, probably before is like, what, what it's closing off, you know, like, am yeah. I going to ever be asked about, am I ever going to be asked to the dance again? <laughs> you know, am I ever going to yeah. be asked to, to lunch again? Because I, I said no, or I just, you know, didn't want to participate in whatever someone's asking me to do. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, boundary, you know, it is important to like, to hoard that. And so while I, I love presenting, you know, a helpful 
outside or present um, a personality that's loving and kind and and good and um, because that's you know how any you know how I want to be known. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's okay, like not to be that, not to have those attributes so attributed to you yes. by anybody. Well, and I think it's it's not an all or nothing. You know, it's not a all a just because there are moments of time where you want to say no, or I don't have time or not answer your phone or not respond to a text or whatever it is. We're always thinking about how is the other person, what is the other person going to think of me? Hmm. And if it's not someone that knows you, that knows that knows who you are and what your core is really about a non-response to a text really isn't going to mean anything other than them making a small assumption around she didn't have time, she's not having a good day, or she just she's having a busy day. And then it's a, it's a fleeting thought. But it's funny how we will think for the other person and what they'll think of us. You know, what are they going to think of us if I do eat the smallest minute thing, right? We, we just blow it completely out of proportion. Um, and again, it's just like you were talking about taking responsibility, Jesus, we even take responsibility for what other people might be thinking of us. <laughs> it's you so know? true. Yeah. And it's, you know, it goes even further. I know, you know, I'm in the, um, I still have, you know, kids at home. Yeah. And they have, um, some moms because our kids are friends, you know, some moms, want to hang out they want to can't understand why i have to work all the time they don't understand why i don't want to come over for drinks you know just sometimes i'm just i'm okay like i don't want to be accountable to one more person yes i don't want to i don't want to have to explain to you that okay if i go out for a drink with you or go out for coffee with you once next time i may not want to right it didn't really uplift me I mean, it was it was okay but i have other things yes. Um, yes. like you're not, it's not like you're having, you know, drinks with Oprah or someone. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to, I really am trying to reserve. Yes. I think it's okay just to try to do things too. I guess I haven't perfected this, but I'm trying to reserve, um, my time and my gifts for people who, who I want to give them to. Well, and that it's reciprocal. That it's reciprocal. I, I think with the, in having a personality, a giving personality, you get to a point where I want to be able to receive what I'm giving as well. I want there to be some give and take. Whereas before, when we're younger, we don't think about that. We just give mm -hmm. um, with no expectation. Again, falling into that, well, I'm responsible for other people's feelings anyway. So, I mean, this is just a natural thing. And I think as I get older and I move into feeling more comfortable in my own skin and what I do and just who I am and still evolving, um, I feel so much better around um, deciphering people I give my energy to and whether or not there's going to be any reciprocity. And mm -hmm. a lot of the time there's not, and that's not a negative thing. Um, I, but I think it's, it's just something that again, I have to, I know what I give and sometimes I have to hoard 
um, that energy. And uh, because it, if I don't get that in return, um, I have to ask myself why, what's in this relationship right. for both of us. If some, if it's a one-way relationship um, and I've gotten stuck in one-way relationships mm-hmm. um, and it's been hard to get out of those because I feel this codependency that I've been in before um, has showed up in friendships. And when I see it, it's just like, oh, there, I did it again, but I co-created it. Right. Right. So then feeling bad that I need to, yeah. So it's like you said there, it's not even in the very beginning when you were talking, you said, this is not, it's not a linear thing. Right. Evolving is not linear. It's like five steps forward, four back, one forward, six back, 10 forward, two back. So it's just, it's not linear. And I think it's a, um, we set our, ourselves up to fail when we, we think that way, uh, which happens often. I think it's, yeah. Right. I was just thinking about like, you're talking about the reciprocity of, of friendship or, you know, the energy or just time spent with somebody, you know, what are you getting in return? I used to be in a, sometimes I still do beat myself up. It's like, well, what, what am I expecting in return? And I don't, quite know what that is I just I'll know it when I see it type of thing you know I want someone to I want someone to ask questions you know I don't want someone to always show up and throw up like all their Mm -hmm. their issues and yet um or they're always circling back to oh yeah I know what you I know what you mean like or when they really don't because they haven't asked enough questions to really know what I mean yes yeah. Um, and so I, in any relationship, you know, I, my needs evolve, you know, some days I just need you to, you know, sit with me, <laughs> just, you know, sit, stand vigil with me. Mm-hmm. Some days I need you to like motivate me, you know, just show up in the driveway and like say, come on, we're going mm-hmm. to Target or wherever, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but my true friends, like they, people I care about kind of understand that, you know, and understand what I need, or even give me a couple of options. Absolutely. You know, yeah. The people who don't, um, I mean, people, they're just not helping me. People I need to can be aware of is like people who just, they're not really helping me grow. They don't, yeah. I don't like to stand still. I don't like to be stagnant mm-hmm. and you kind of just feel that with some people, you know, who don't give it back is that you don't really move anywhere. There's really no place to go. Yeah. And that's not necessarily just for new people you're meeting or getting to know. This includes friends and and family members, Mm -hmm. right? Where there might not be a, a reciprocal type relationship. And, you know, you go back to is, you know, one thing you said, I'm not sure what I'm looking for them to be doing. And I think what I've learned is that what, cause I thought the same thing. And I, I think what I've narrowed it down to is I've always been voraciously curious about other people, but, and I don't expect other people to be the same, but I do expect them to want 
to see me, to want to get to know me, even family members, mm -hmm. right? Because you get into this kind of rote relationship and there, you play certain roles. And so mm -hmm. I think um, even in the, in, the, in the smallest or shortest of engagements with someone, uh, not that they all need to be like this, but just that someone just really cares to see how you're really doing and not accepting, I'm fine. Um, you know, just listening for a little bit of what's underneath neath the surface. You right. know? Um, so it, it feels amazing to feel seen. And I think if someone doesn't at that point have the capacity to do that, I think you can sense that and, um, or wants to, you know, I think that's, that's where I draw. It's not a cutoff. It's just where I draw a boundary around the time and the energy that I spend. Right. And it's not my, in knowing that it's not my job to tell them how I want yeah. to be treated, you know, cause that, I mean, that's, that's a lot. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. It's yeah. you just kind of yeah. get it or you don't. I mean, yeah. that's yes. Why there's certain um, animals in the animal kingdom that play together nicely, you know, yeah. that don't eat each other because yeah. they just kind of they live side by side. They kind of just get you know the direction the other one wants to go into. Yeah. Um, I used to think, and I have been much better at this. I used to think it was up to me to always explain like how friendship should work, you know, uh -huh. how, uh -huh. um, what empathy means. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like, there's a, there's a, you know, I don't know. I can't like help you with the lifetime of learning of like, no. so it's, and that's not my role. You know, if no. you're going to, and you'll find people who with family members or friends, you know, they, um, they have to kind of learn it on their own journey. Yeah. They have well, to learn what, what's best for them and yes. how relationships are, are cemented. Women do is they feel that they need to explain. They need to, you, I, I want you to understand why I don't want to volunteer at the snack counter. <laughs> it all goes back to 1967. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So there needs to be some, we feel we need to have some justification or some reason where it can just be, um, I don't want to. Um, and, and that's in and of itself enough. So, right. yeah. Right. Yeah, no, I absolutely. Or just, you know, I, and you can always, you have to, to hear someone saying that, I mean, am I ever going to respond with, I don't want to, nope, I don't want to. I, you know, I'd have to think, about like that qualifying statement, really appreciate you thinking about me. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Thank you so much for asking. But I don't want to. But I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you have three kids, you know, mm -hmm. they're um, you know, your youngest is is high school, right? And so yeah, almost well, eighth grade. So yeah, almost yeah. is he going into eighth grade? In, into eighth grade. Oh, yeah. Um, so how have you evolved as a, as a parent? Do you feel that you've evolved, um, parenting each, each one as they got older? Um, 
you know, because you've learned from the first or is it an evolution of just who you've become that you engage with the kids differently? I've seen that, you know, when I was younger, I felt like I had to please, you know, and always get good grades and always study hard. Um, I've seen it with my daughters and I told them both, you know, from the get-go, I'm like, I will never pay you for A's and report cards. Unlike some of your friends, because I'll love you if you get D's. Yeah. It doesn't, you're, that's not your worth. Yeah. And so I almost had to backtrack because I was, you know, I was praising them like for doing well in school. Sure. They were so much more than a grade. Absolutely. And I've, um, so now it's just, I just see the world differently. I see how kids who, who aren't, you know, getting perfect scores on their ACT or SATs, like they're doing just fine. You know, it's um, people who have a personality, who can shake hands, who can, who care about others, who can ask questions of others. Yeah. yeah. Be, be curious about the world. Yes. Um, yes. They have the advantage because the book, it's not really going to matter when you're 25 and you're getting A's. Nobody really cares. Yeah. So, it- it's hard. It's, it's, uh, I think it's so hard for parents to disconnect from the outcome of academics and, and what the grades are and what the scores are. It's so hard for them to disconnect, um, the success and the grades, um, and just what you're saying about your son, how successful he is, um, just through the life skills that he's building and has been taught. And that in and of itself is um, such a huge success. Now, somebody that gets to me too, you you know, your daughter's being exceptional. And even when you were younger, but what, and that is success uh, in the same way. But I think it when there's this expectation that ties success and it looks like a certain thing and it's tied to a specific outcome, like you felt when you're a kid, I just feel it's so detrimental. Um, again, and which leads to this whole fitting into a certain box, right? This is what success is. This is what beauty is. This is what competence um, looks like. Mm-hmm you know? Yeah. And I, um, and it's lot, you're being lauded for what you do is do yes. other than just be, um, you're talking about looks. I remember, you know, the girls, when they would play with Barbies, you know, there was that whole thing of like, I didn't want my bar, my kids to have these unrealistic expectations of how women should be. And the Barbie's foot should always be bent. Right. Um, so they played with Barbies, but they like had conversations that, you know, and it was like, well, that's fun. That's interpersonal skills that they're, they're learning yes. you know, and they're teaching. And I think that, um, I wish I would have applauded them more for that, you know, and kind of taught them that, you know, creativity and all its forms is, is great, mm-hmm. you know, but there's really no, um, that life a good life isn't dependent upon A's and good grades. Yes. You know, it's, you just do what you can. I mean, we're all doing the best we can just to get Absolutely. by. And I, um, and so I've really changed my focus a lot or 
changed my feeling about gifted education a lot. Mm. Um, you know, as I've, and that's, I think really how I've evolved as a parent. Yeah. And I, just, and I see, and I, sadly, I see um, Declan's love, his friends, you know, their kid, those 13 year olds are the oldest in their family. Mm-hmm. And these parents are just always talking about scores and Kumon and Mathnasium and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, yeah. and it's, it's exhausting. I guess it's sometimes exhausting to listen to. Um, but I feel, I feel good as a parent now where I can kind of like sit back and just be an observer. Yeah. And I, um, you know, and, and kind of share my own, my own thoughts about it, you know, like it's, isn't it better just to, you know, teach your kids to be kind and like just easygoing people, yes. <laughs> you know, that aren't going to be yes. crazy if they, if they get a C. Yeah. It, it, it's tough. It's yeah. tough to teach. It is. Them it, is. it is. Yeah. They're getting, um, you know, opposing beliefs and social beliefs around what, what, um, what being good and what being successful and uh, being the good girl or the tough guy is they're just getting opposing beliefs on what, you know, so many facets. Right. And I'd much rather have my kids like take risks mm -hmm. and accept the consequences of those risks, you know, in a good way. (laughs) I don't want them no, well, of course, and consequences can be negative, but I think you've been such an amazing example for your family when it comes to taking risks, because I think that's just been your jam. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. in transitioning and exploring, and like I said in the beginning, just not, I don't know what the, I don't know what this is going to look like. Just do it. Yeah. You know, just yeah, do there's, it. Yeah. yeah. No rules. Yeah. So I have, um, at the end, I have five fast five questions for you. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is your guilty pleasure? Dancing. Oh, like what kind of dancing? Uh, well, I taught Zumba, but I love to love to dance in all its forms. I love, love movement. Love it. Yes. Love it. Uh, best advice you've received that just even sticks with you now. It's just kind of maybe even become a um, that, you know, people will never forget how you made them feel. Yeah. Okay. What would you tell your 16 year old self now? Um, Just buy the pretty cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> buy the Vincent and Hedges. Don't don't go for the marbles. I know it's terrible. <laughs> but then stop. But then stop. Right now. That's stop. awesome. Stop early on. <laughs> uh, favorite movie. Oh, uh, Saint Almost Fire. Oh my, and a must read, like a book that. Uh, it, you just, you have to read this. The Nightingale. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Just love it. Yeah. Oh, man, that's a good one. Yes. 
I, um, I appreciate your time. Yes. I appreciate you sharing your story and, um, how you've evolved. Yeah. This sharing that with very fun. And it's, um, yeah, I always love things that make me think and questions that make me think. So it sticks with me, you know? So I love, love your questions and love this format. Thank you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to The Great Relate Podcast, hosted by Lara Postma. To learn more about The Great Relate or get access to customized coaching, check out thegreatrelate.com. Subscribe to The Great Relate on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'll catch you in the next episode.